Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here today as we explore this one statement here together. What I want to explore with you together is just this. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Welcome to church, everybody. And I know as soon as I say that statement of meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, like you probably weren't expecting that. That's often not where we start church. It's a little bit of a downer. It can be quite heavy and difficult. But that's actually what we want to explore for the next four weeks. We want to explore here together the meaninglessness of life, which I know as soon as I say that, some of you are like, well, that doesn't sound like fun and sounds about like four weeks too much of that, right? I get that. But you might not realize that when I said that statement of meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, that that's actually from the Bible. That there's actually a book in the Bible that talks about the meaninglessness of life. That that phrase, meaningless, meaningless, it's actually the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes. And I know that for many of us, that statement, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, like that sounds more like some existentialist French philosopher like Camus or Derrida. Like it sounds like something that is very depressing, not like the Bible. But that's actually what I want to change in this series. I want to explore a book of the Bible that likely you might not be as familiar with. You might not have read it, and even if you have read it, you might not have wrestled with it or really sat with it or studied it. Over this next four weeks, I want to explore the book of Ecclesiastes. And here's why I think it matters for all of us, wherever you may be at today. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, here's why I think the book of Ecclesiastes matters for us. Because the book of Ecclesiastes is brutally honest. That's what it is. That the book of Ecclesiastes, it is a brutally honest book. It likes to take all of these platitudes we often live with and to say that just isn't true because sometimes life just sucks. Some of you want to say amen to that, and you probably can, right? That sometimes life just sucks. Sometimes it is random, it is unfair, it is difficult. This is what the book of Ecclesiastes wants to explore. And if that idea that life sometimes sucks is a bit challenging for you, well, Uh, the language of Ecclesiastes might be a bit of challenging for you as well to kind of learn and to grapple with. But I think that for some of us, for some of us, this language of Ecclesiastes, where it really gets into the unfairness and the randomness of life and some of the injustice and difficulty of life, it'll actually feel a little bit like a breath of fresh air. Because I think for many of us, if you've ever been trying to do all the right things and then things just don't work out, that's what Ecclesiastes wants to talk about. And how you can even find God in the midst of that. So that's what we want to explore over the next four weeks, this book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to be seeing about how to find God in the midst of the struggle, how to move through a life that has so much meaninglessness and difficulty a part of it, and ultimately what God is doing in the midst of it. So I want to invite you over the next four weeks to join with us, really, as we start to explore this book. And I want to do that here today together. So to begin with, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ecclesiastes 1, and we're just going to start to work through it today, finding out and discerning together kind of the main theme that the author, the teacher, wants to explore. And so let's begin by reading um, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1. We read this. That these are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. And now right off the bat, we get introduced to a few things. First, we get introduced to is that there is an editor, right? There's somebody who is writing these words down, right? And they're speaking here in the first verse. They also actually have a little bit of a conclusion at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. The second thing we see is that there is this uh, author, this teacher, this person who is actually doing the majority of the speaking and the teaching and the writing. And so we want to explore a little bit about more about who this teacher is, because this teacher is actually a little bit elusive. In Hebrew, the word teacher there is the word kohelet. And this word really, honestly, it has no good English equivalent for it. This is why the NIV uh, talks about here that there is a teacher, the KGV talks about a preacher, the message talks about a quester, the JPS talks about just Kohelet, it doesn't even translate it, or the Good News Bible talks about the philosopher. 
that there really isn't a good English equivalent for this idea of Kohelet. And the Kohelet, what it really means, is somebody who gathers people together. He's also called the gatherer at points. And to teach and to talk, but there's no really great English equivalent. So for the majority of this series together, when we're going to be talking about this teacher, I'm going to actually be using the word Kohelet. I'm just going to be talking about him through the Hebrew word itself, because I don't think it could be translated well in English. So there's a little bit of a kind of vagueness or elusiveness with uh, the word Kohelet and with this teacher. There's also a little bit of vagueness or elusiveness also with the identity of who he is. Okay? Now the text reads this. It says that these are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. And because of this line then, many people assume or popularly assume that the writer of Ecclesiastes, this teacher, this Kohelet, this preacher, right, that the writer is King Solomon. Right? That he's David's son, that he was wise and that he ruled in Jerusalem. So it's King Solomon who is speaking. And that may be true actually. But it's not quite as straightforward as we might think. It's, again, a little bit elusive, actually, because if King Solomon was the writer of this book, there are some oddities within it. That first, the person who is writing, Kohelet, never names himself, actually. Like, he never says, like, hey, I'm King Solomon. In Proverbs, which Solomon wrote, he actually comes right out and says, it is King Solomon who is writing. But this isn't happening here in Ecclesiastes. Also, Ecclesiastes, when you read it, and I want to invite you to actually read it this week, when you start to get into it, the content of Ecclesiastes and the prose and the style of writing, it is very different than Proverbs, which we know for sure that really uh, King Solomon wrote. And it almost seems like Ecclesiastes has been wrote actually to contrast Proverbs. So that's a little bit of an oddity. And there's also some verses that if King Solomon wrote it, that just seem a little bit stretched and strained in Ecclesiastes. So there's a little bit of elusiveness with who this writer is. This is why in many of your Bibles, actually, if you read the heading in your Bibles, it'll say the reflections of a royal philosopher because scholars just aren't totally sure who this writer may be. It might be Solomon. It might be another uh, son of David, another king. It might be someone else. There's a little bit of uncertainty and vagueness and elusiveness with it. Robert Alter, who's a, a really great scholar and an amazing writer with translations, he puts it this way. He says, It is best to think of Kohelet as the literary persona of a radical philosopher articulating in evocative rhythmic prose that occasionally reads as poetry a powerful descent from the mainline wisdom outlook that is in the background of his thought. And that may be true. But I bring up all of this that there's um, some elusiveness or some vagueness with both the word Kohelet and who this writer, this teacher, this philosopher may be because this idea that some things are a little bit elusive and hard to grasp, it's actually a theme in this book. It's actually a theme that starts off in the very next verse and one we really need to understand if we're going to be able to understand this book well at all. So I want to read the next verse and then we're going to dive in a bit deeper. So we read this. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Or as I stated in the beginning, like meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And to really understand the perspective of Kohelet, this teacher, this philosopher, this king, what we need to understand really is this word meaningless. It can't be overstated that in the book of Ecclesiastes, this is a major theme, it is a major part of it, and this word meaningless is really important for us to understand because it keeps coming up again and again and again in Ecclesiastes. And this word meaningless in Hebrew, it is the word havel. Now, this word again, it doesn't have a good English translation. It just simply doesn't. It can be translated as meaningless, as vanity, as vapor, as empty, as futile, those are some of the ways that this word can be translated, or as Robert Alter actually translated in his excellent, excellent translation of Ecclesiastes, he uh, translates Havel as mere breath. There's this idea with this word, though, because there is no good English translation for it, that Havel is something that you can kind of see but can't quite grasp. 
There's this idea that there is something to it, but it's also insubstantial. It's transitory. It's not quite something that we can control or manipulate. That Havel is something, but it's also something we can't grasp personally if we want to. That we can't take control of it. That it's just meaningless, futile, empty vapor around. I think one of the best images to start to understand this word Havel and meaninglessness, it's actually the image of smoke. This is the best way to think of Havel. That what it is, smoke, it's something you can see, but if you try to grasp it, you can't control it. You can't actually be in charge of it. It's there, it's around you, you can see it and look at it, but ultimately, what he wants to say is that trying to grasp life, it's like trying to grasp smoke. You just can't do it. You can't quite grab a hold of it. You can see it, it is there, it is something, and yet on the other hand, it's also something we can't control, we can't manipulate, it's just around us, and it's a part of us. That's kind of the idea of Havel. That what Havel is, it's meaningless, it's smoke, it's vapor, it's mist, it's stuff that is a part of our lives, but if we try to grasp it and control it, we're gonna find it just fleeting and leaving from our hands. That's what Havel is. And what Kohelet wants to say is that life is like this, that meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Or as he says in a few verses, he says, I observed everything going on under the sun. And really, it is all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. It's trying to grasp and control the smoke that we don't have actually any power over. That's what Havel is. It's this idea of smoke. It's this idea of vanity and vapor and mist. But to give us another idea of what Havel is, I want to give you another image, not just of smoke, because I think it's really important that we start to get an idea of what really Kohelet is talking about with this word Havel. I want to give you the image not just of smoke, I actually want to give you the image actually of sheep, okay? So I want to roll a video, and I think this will help us to understand a little bit more about what Kohelet is talking about when he says all of life is Havel. It's all just this meaningless and smoke, and as we're going to see, it's also about sheep. Умничка, умничка, за обе ноги. Молодец, Света. Умничка, умничка. Все, операция удалась. Now, is that video not amazing, right? That's what Kohalat is talking about. That's like Havel. That's like life. That sometimes things are going okay or you're stuck in something, but it's just like this life is on repeat. That even if you get out and free, you end up sometimes back in the same spot that you were, right? And honestly, honestly, isn't that video of that sheep not only like hilarious, but doesn't that like what this year has felt like? That we've been stuck, you get out, you get stuck again, that things almost sometimes just seem futile. Right? That there just isn't purpose in it. you just on repeat. That's Havel. That's what uh, the author of Ecclesiastes Kohelet wants to say that life is like. And what he's going to then go on to say is that the things that we chase after, the things that we strive for, the things that we want, that what they are really when it comes down to it, it's just smoke. It's stuff that is there, but it's not worthwhile. It's fleeting. It's transitory. Or it's like sheep getting stuck in ditches, that the stuff we chase after, it honestly doesn't fulfill us. And even if we feel free for a moment, we're going to end up trapped and stuck. That's what Havel uh, is all about. And that's what Kohelet wants to teach us, that the things you and I chase after, that they really aren't all that good, healthy, whole, and they don't actually help us. So let's keep going and see what he has to say to get a little bit more of an idea of this book of Ecclesiastes, one that I think many of us aren't that familiar with. So we're just going to continue reading the next verse. It says, uh, Kohelet says this, What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles, 
Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out to the sea. He says, everything is wearisome beyond description. And what he's getting at here is that really, that things just don't change. There's this cyclical nature to things and there's such a futility to life. There is really just things going on and repeat. That's what he is saying. And then the next line that he has, the next line he has, like, it is incredible. This is a line that is being uttered currently by like social scientists, French continental philosophers, and also like the comedian Bo Burnham. Listen to what he says next. He says this. He says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. Is that not a word for today? No matter how much we see, no matter how much we consume, we are never satisfied. It is not enough. It's all just Havel, smoke, and vapor. He says this. He says, no matter how much we hear, we are not content. What he's saying is that no matter how much we consume, it is never enough for us. And it will never be enough to fill the void. It's honestly just empty and fleeting, right? That all the hours we spend on like TikTok, on Netflix, YouTube, Instagram, whatever it may be for you, this is just smoke. And it never truly fills us. It just leaves us feeling empty and wanting more. That he says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. And then he continues. He says, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past. And in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Some of you are like, this book is rather depressing, right? And some of you have no idea that this is actually in the Bible. Like that's a verse, this verse here, we don't remember what happened in the past and no one will remember what we are doing now. This is a verse no one chooses to get tattooed on their body, right? No one's like, oh, this is inspirational. But I think in some ways, shape or form, these verses, what Kohelet is getting at, it actually is quite freeing because in many ways, it's altering the frame of reference that we have. That when it comes to life, here's what I think currently characterizes our modern world, okay? There are two things that are tied together. They are acceleration and pressure, okay? Acceleration and pressure. That right now, what we are facing or what we are feeling, so many of us, is the constant speeding up of the world and a pressure to keep up, right? That when there's a technological breakthrough, follow with me, the technological breakthroughs never save you any amount of time. All they do is place you under more obligation to get more done. Does anyone else out there feel like sometimes the world's just speeding up more and more and more? That there's just pressure to kind of keep up? That you feel like maybe you're falling behind or your kids are falling behind? That you aren't quite, I don't know, doing enough or living up to all of your potential? This is some of the pressure of the modern world. And Kohelet really wants to say, like, he wants to change some of our frame of reference. And he actually comes right out and says, you know what? Like, none of this matters because in a few generations, no one's even going to remember you. And I know that that is a harsh thing to say. That's what he's saying here at Kohelet. But it's also a true thing. Because how many of us actually can name our great-grandparents, right? How many of us can name our great-great-grandparents and what it was that they did and how they lived? What Kohelet wants us to realize is so much of what we place as the meaning, the most important things in our lives, that they're just smoke. It's just chasing after the wind. It's all Havel, that it really doesn't lead to life, and it's just meaningless. And what Kohelet's going to do next now is he's going to take this idea that what we chase after, it's like smoke that we try to control but doesn't get us anywhere. What he's going to actually start to talk about now is the specific things that we chase after that really just leave us feeling empty and unsure and unsatisfied and like a sheep stuck in a ditch on the side of the road. Okay? So here's what he's going to name. First, he's going to name specifically wisdom. That for some people, and this really resonates with me personally, that for some people, what they chase after is like wisdom, intellect, academics, smarts, or education. 
that some people, myself, this does resonate, this is something I struggle with, that we almost feel like if we just know things, then we will matter. Or that the more that we know, the more then that we can control the outcome of a really complex world. But Kohelet's going to say, honestly, chasing after wisdom, it doesn't actually end up with much. Listen to what he says. And again, he is brutally honest. That's what this book is. If it is anything, it is brutally honest. So he says this in verse 12. We're just continuing to read through chapter one, right? So I decided to compare wisdom with foolishness and madness. For who can do this better than I, the king? I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they are going, but fools walk in the dark. Yet I saw that the wise and the foolish share the same fate. He says both will die. So I said to myself, since I will end up the same as the fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? This is all so meaningless. This is all so Havel chasing after smoke, right? For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. So I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless like chasing the wind. That's kind of a gut punch, isn't it? You might not have realized that the Bible speaks in such strong and stark language, but it does. And I don't think we do ourselves any favor if we just kind of pretend that there isn't some of this language in the Bible. Listen to how he continues. He says that wisdom and chasing after that, that doesn't help much. Next, he's going to turn his attention or turn his aim towards pleasure. Now, for some of us, what we think will make us feel good and to have meaning in this life is to chase after pleasure. Pleasure may be in terms of experiences, like being worldly and traveled, or liking good wines or good food experiences or, you know, concerts, whatever it may be. That for some of us, we think that there's real value in accumulating experiences. Next, he's also going to talk about, for some of us, we look at the pleasures of like our body, like sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, that we try to find meaning in that. And lastly, he's also going to take aim at how some of us try to find meaning and pleasure through the buying of things like getting a new iPhone, a boat, or a four-wheeler, whatever it may be that seems to give us meaning. But listen to what he says next. Again, it's going to be meaningless. It's going to be Havel, the smoke that just swirls. He says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. That this too was meaningless. And then he starts to talk about not only that this pleasure was meaningless, and he talks about, you know, buying things, and he talks about good experiences. He then starts to talk about finances, like power, fame, prestige. And he says that this too will be meaningless, that if you think just having a big bank account is going to give you meaning, that this is Havel. Listen to what he says. He says, I also owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who had lined, who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. He's had all the experiences, both entertainment and sexual. That's what's going on there, right? Many beautiful concubines. He says, I had every desire, everything a man could desire. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. He went full-blown into this. He had all the pleasure, power, and money anyone could ever have. And listen to what he says. I even found great pleasure in my hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, he says this, it was all so meaningless. It's just smoke swirling. It's just a sheep stuck in the ditch. It's all so meaningless. It's Havel, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. That's what Havel wants to teach us. That's what Kohelet wants to teach us. That life is about Havel. Really, that there is nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So what does this mean for all of us? Because I know, 
I know this likely isn't what you were expecting today. I know that Kohelet's perspective on things is really a perspective we often don't share in church. I mean, last week we talked about the importance of legacy, and here we are talking about how everything is like Havel and meaningless, and we're not sure that there's real meaning in things. But I do think that this matters for us. And I do think it matters for us to think through and to work through because I really believe that we need to take the testimony of every book in the Bible, we need to take it incredibly seriously, to listen to it, to work through it, and to try to understand what is God saying to us through it. So today, today, what's my main point? My main point is actually just Kohelet's main point, where he wants to really say that everything is Havel, that everything is just this smoke, this vapor, that it's there, but we chase after things that don't have any meaning or lasting, that they just swirl around, that really what it is, our life is like on repeat where we get freed and we just get stuck. Again, everything is Havel. That's my main point today. And here's why I think that this matters for all of us. Even this, if this is a bit more weighty or difficult than we would normally take a look at. Here's why I think this matters for all of us. Because whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, or wherever you are in your life, the truth is, is that every one of our lives has a trajectory to it. They are all headed somewhere, right? We might not realize what is driving us, but every single one of us has something that is driving us forward. We have some place that we are going to end up. And really what Kohelet wants us to do, follow with me, is he wants us to examine our lives and where they are headed. Okay? I want to say that again. That's what Kohelet wants us to do. He wants us to examine our lives and where they are headed. He wants us to examine the things that are driving us because so often where it leads is to Havel, is to smoke and sheep and ditches and just wasted time, wasted life. It's meaningless. He wants us to actually live a life that is examined and to take a look at what is driving us and is it healthy? Is it whole? Is it leading us to where we want to be? That what I think our world does so often in our world, so much of it, is that it is actually all about us never asking the hard questions of am I living a life I should be living? Am I going in the right direction? Am I going to end up someplace I want to be? Our world just tells us do more, work harder, buy more, do more, go, go, go. So that we never ever sit and just ask those big hard questions that Kohelet wants to ask us. Where is your life headed? What is driving you? Is it just going to end up being Havel and smoke in the end? And I think, I think that churches are also complicit in this lack of questioning and reflection so often. And I think especially churches in North America, churches in North America aren't places where we come to have these big questions thrust upon us. They're actually so often places where we come to be protected from the deep questions of life. That in church, we don't often get asked the question of, like, does my life actually matter? Is it going someplace of meaning? Is it all just Havel and meaninglessness? That's what Kohelet wants to invite us to ask. And I think we need to. Because I think what happens in church and in world, uh, in, our, in our day and age, in our world, especially in North American church context, is that both liberal churches and conservative churches avoid sometimes asking these deep, big, hard questions. Liberal and progressive churches tend to do this by just sharing with you, don't worry, you're a good person, it's all okay. Conservative churches also avoid the big, hard questions as well by often telling us, don't worry, your beliefs are all right, so everything will turn out all right. Kohelet wants us to actually examine our life and to be like, you know what? So much of what we chase after, it doesn't lead anywhere. It's just smoke. It's just difficulty. It's just Havel. So today, I think it does matter for us to take a look at our lives and to ask the question of where is it going? Where are our lives headed? Or in the words of the amazing deep philosopher Jim Carrey, okay, he says this, and this is like modern day Kohelet, okay? He says this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the 
answer. That's like modern day Kohelet and Ecclesiastes. I think that everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can realize it's not the answer. And what Kohelet wants us to do today is he wants us to examine our lives to make sure that we don't end up living it and then end up at the end saying to ourselves, it's all just smoke. So personally, what does this idea that everything is hell? what does this mean for us personally? Well, I think for some of us, for some of us really, um, Kohelet's language actually might be quite freeing for you. That if in this past year, you honestly have tried incredibly hard, you've done all the right things, maybe you've put in the time, the effort, and the tears to really try to you know, move forward in the world and in your life, and things just keep falling apart. If you've ever really experienced doing all the right things in life not working out the way it should, Kohelet might actually sound like to you like a breath of fresh air, like finally some truth and some honesty. For others of us, I know that this sermon, it is challenging, it's difficult. You're like, is this even a sermon? You've maybe wanted to change, you know, uh, the channel to drop this sermon since the very beginning. But here's why I think that this really does matter for us. I want to read to you the words of Robert Williams talking about this passage in Ecclesiastes. And then I want to make it practical. He says this. He says, Ecclesiastes is a bit of a downer. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. As you start to read it, Ecclesiastes is a bit of a downer. Maybe the gatherer or Kohelet isn't the guy you invite to a party. He says this. But the reason the gatherer is such a downer is because he makes us face the possibility that the things we are pursuing in life are ultimately worthless. He's asking us to examine our lives. That's what Kohalit is. So today, I want to invite you to do two things. Okay? I want to invite you to do two things really specifically to examine your life and to not avoid it or to deny it. I know that this might be hard or awkward at times, but I don't think we do ourselves any favors by avoiding the hard or awkward or difficult things. So I want to invite you into today's two things. I want to invite you to name and to read. Okay? to name and to read. So first I want to invite you to read, actually. I want to invite you to just read the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to invite you to read it this week. There are actually real moments of beauty and of hope and of practical wisdom about how to live in a world that honestly makes no sense. And we'll get into that. We will. We have a lot more to cover, actually. We're going to talk about Kohelet's view of time, which we need. We're going to talk about how Kohelet gives us practical wisdom for how to live in this world and where to find God in this world. But I really want to encourage you and to challenge you to actually sit down and to read this book this week. It'll take you about 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how fast you read or how you kind of skim through things or if you really sit with things. But I want to really invite you and to challenge you this week to read the book of Ecclesiastes, to get familiar with a book that many of us, even if we have read it, it's not all that familiar to us. We might just know a handful of verses from it. I want to invite you to really sit with this book, to read it, to listen to it, to let Kohelet speak to you. And then what I want to challenge you to do is just this. I want to challenge you then to personally even name the things that you are chasing after. What are the things that are driving you? What are the things that are really just below kind of the surface that you're striving for? I want to invite you to read this book and then to name the things you're chasing after. Because Kohelet wants us to examine our life to make sure that we don't end up chasing after smoke and end up like a sheep caught in a ditch. That's what he wants to invite us into. So today, I want to invite you to read and then to name. What are you chasing after? Is it like a new promotion at work that you think will finally fulfill you? Is it to maybe have, you know, a big bank account, lots of money, some surplus, or that maybe that if you have finances, then you'll matter more? Is it to maybe have like a following online, to be friends, to have a look a certain way, to have a body that looks a certain way? Is it to have an education, to finally live up to being, you know, uh, the expectations of your parents or whatever it may be? What are you chasing after deep down? What are you striving for? I want to invite you to read the book and then to just name what you're chasing after. Because the truth is, we are all chasing after something. We are all have a trajectory in our lives that we are headed somewhere. 
And Kohelet, what he wants to do is he wants to be really brutally honest and to make sure that we bring those things to the surface, to make sure that at the end of our lives, we haven't been chasing after smoke, meaninglessness, and Havel. And then next week, we're going to dive deeper into what does this all look like? How do we actually live in this world? And what kind of ways is Kohelet challenging us to actually alter our perception? But for today, I want to invite you just to those two things. Would you read this book? And then would you also take time to name what it is you're chasing after? And I know, I know that in many ways this isn't happy, clappy, and triumphant. And I'm not going to today sugarcoat any of Kohelet's teaching because he doesn't. He actually gives it to us straight. And I think that's sometimes what we need to do. So I want to invite you, would you take time this week? Read and then name. Read and then name. Because ultimately, even if it's challenging, it will ensure that we don't end up at the end just chasing after smoke. Let's pray. God, I ask, I ask would you give us just courage and faithfulness to read this book and to hear from you in and through it. I pray would you let Kohelet speak to us. I pray, God, too, would you let Kohelet actually disturb us and disorient us, us a little bit so that we might actually come to name the things that we are striving after, to see if they have actual any value or meaning in what you have for us. I pray, God, would we not only listen uh, to your word, but we also listen to your spirit in and through it. And so I pray, God, would you give us time to sit and to read and to name what it is that we are chasing after so that we might not just chase after smoke and meaningless and havel, but what you have for us. And I just pray this all in the wonderful name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.